Welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast with Michael B. Ross, a podcast designed to help leaders develop the character, skills, and passion needed to lead fulfilled and impactful lives. Today, we continue with the second half of Michael's interview with Rennie Curran. We join them in the middle of their conversation. Here's Michael. Let's celebrate the fact that, dude, your, your, your grandpa was a chief, man. Like, how cool is that? Why can't we celebrate heritage and, and look back and, and talk about the differences? My family's Scottish. I can, I can uh, trace my lineage back to the 11th century. You know, I, I know my history. Why can't we celebrate that together? Right. Um, but anyways, I wanted to bring some of those things up. And of course, those are just a few. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on those things and responses. And, you know, how can we, how can we bridge this gap and, you know, change these unconscious biases and and create new, new unconscious streaming thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a challenge, man. And you, you hit on a couple of things just, uh, in terms of the image that's been presented in terms of like the ignorance. And when I think about first, just talking about the image that's been presented of African-Americans in this country, I mean, it's so deeply rooted. It's, it's from a historical standpoint, when you look at like how we've been presented from the beginning, it's never been in a positive way. <laughs> you know, like, so when, when you, speed it up to the present to like the the 80s 90s with the hip-hop rap and, and whatnot um even though it's it was seen and received by uh suburban communities it still wasn't in a positive way it still wasn't in a way where you know it has anything to do with leadership or like change and, and positivity and i feel like it was more of an escape for those in the suburban uh communities than it was something that was uh promoted you know, is a way to um, really have like an alternate ego type of thing. But like when I think about the fact that like even before the image, this image was created, what do you have to do to create an image? You first have to destroy the original one. And that's that's probably the biggest issue with the African-American here, uh, African-American people here is the fact that the culture was completely stripped. Like I am the version of what I believe that uh, original African-Americans were, like knowing about the heritage, knowing about their uh, values, knowing about uh, all the things that, you know, having that village mentality. Um, and once you're stripped of that, it's like, you're gonna, you're really gonna have no culture. And that's that's some of the issues that, that we face in the African-American community that holds us back. And it goes all the way back to slavery, just being stripped of your identity and then being filled with images of yourself that may or may not be real. So I talked about, you know, just being in my childhood, seeing Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, watching the news. Every time I see an African-American male, he's in handcuffs, as opposed to being a, you know, a politician or a lawyer or a doctor. I can't tell you how many, like I have one African-American teacher my whole entire educational career, a female, uh, one one principal that was African-American uh, in my, uh, elementary school days but you don't think that makes a difference you know just your community and, and that that that's generational so like when you talk about image man and just the subconscious uh biases and and all those things that we have it's it's such a major challenge because of the historical context of it and we really have to identify those yeah. things and where it stems from if we're going to move forward and that's on both sides because there, there's it's, it's so generational now that yeah. like 
it's so like it's so deeply rooted into the culture that now if you go to elementary school in an inner city like kids genuinely believe that like they have to do certain things that will be perceived as success or that they have to listen to certain type of music that will be seen as success or like i mean they have to dance or they have to know how to do this and these things that didn't just start there is not just because they love these rappers they love nah it's it's generational and it's deep you know especially when you don't have and, and i think about when i went up to uh when i went up to canada uh one one thing that's not talked about and i'll share it with you is canadians they're, they're talked about as being more progressive right but when it comes to their relations relations with the native americans up there it's it's almost the same dynamic if you yeah. were to go up there and you were to see how their relations are with the native americans up there and how their culture is it's like the same when i went up there to play canadian football it was like the same dynamics like when you look at the african-american relationship down here how uh, everything yeah. from health to education to you know the the diseases that they have the diseases that yeah. we have it's the same it was it was crazy just seeing how when a culture is stripped or when a group of people is stripped how that's expressed in in their communities like years later yeah. um so that's the first thing and then in terms of the ignorance man um i honestly don't get angry you know when i hear like somebody like yourself says, like, I just didn't know or, or whatever. Like, I'll give you a perfect analogy. Uh, at, in my church, I had, there was a guy there who had cerebral palsy. He was one of our pastors and he was severely disabled, but he was an activist. So he would come to our church and he would talk to us about the different things that he's doing for those who are disabled, those who have cerebral palsy, those who, um, you know, just putting access uh, into buildings, right? So fighting to get ramps at buildings and to and fighting to get like handicap accessible things in hotels like he, he was part of that movement but because i'm an athlete and because i'm healthy like these are things that don't cross my mind like i've never gone to a building and thought okay is there a ramp here or not like it's just never ever has been a thing for me it's not part of my world i'm privileged in that way but fast forward to 2017 i uh tear my patella tendon. I have to spend six months in a wheelchair and a straight leg. It's completely changed my perspective. For the first time in my life, I saw what life was like as a disabled person. Wow. And all of a sudden, wow. things that things that did not matter to me, it all of a sudden now it, it became very, very important to me. Yeah. And it, it changed the way I looked at the world and I was just like, wow. Yeah. And it made me understand different perspectives of people who aren't affected by certain things and how it can very easily pass into the radar. Yeah. And so I, I understand, man. Uh, and yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things that will change our society is shared experience. Yeah. And yeah. you hear a lot of times from people who they their child, either, uh, either their older individual and their child ends up being with a person, dating a person that's, uh, that's of a different race and minority and they have a child, right? So now their grandchild is of a mixed race. And so now the issues that are part of that community, they have to start thinking about it because now somebody is connected to, to that, that they love, you know, there's just some, or sports, right. Or military. There's a you yep. fight together. You, you develop this bond, this relationship that surpasses race. It surpasses. So you start to stop seeing that person is just a black person or just a, a any that's becomes your brother. And now yep. those issues that are tied to them become important to you. So 
there has to be that connection and, and shared experience if we're really going to move our communities forward and, and really help people develop that awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so good, Randy. And I, I appreciate that perspective on privilege mm. too. And that really, it does help. Um, yeah. But I lost a friend when I was in the Middle East who, who was black. He's from Brooklyn, New York. Great guy. One of my best friends when I was, when I was in the military, we went to boot camp together, a school together. We ended up getting stationed together. We stayed in the same barracks when we got there. I mean, yeah. we, we played spades together. We were on watches together. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea, like another thing that, that again, white people just have to think about in general, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself when I say this mm-hmm. is like, I was so offended because of, you know, him giving his life, you know, for freedom right. during the, the national anthem protests. Mm-hmm. I was so offended by that. I was, I was just livid. And I'm thinking there's a better way to do this. And, and potentially there was, but now, Mm-hmm. A couple of years later, we tie back to that and we go, we were fools, you know, because honestly, like I, I think about Jake's dying as a black man for freedom right. and, and thinking that, well, you're kneeling against what he did for us, you know, right, as a nation, right. like why he, he's your color. He, he did this. But if freedom isn't free for everybody, it's not freedom. It's just right. not. And, yeah. and that we got, you know, what we fought and bled for was for everybody. Yeah. And we're still trying to create this divide. And, um, and, and again, there's so many, there's so many other things that I've heard. And, and honestly, Renny, I just, I, I've pushed up against a little bit just to keep my own boundaries, but I haven't fought for this. Like, for example, well, slavery was abolished 160 years ago. My goodness. Um, civil rights movement, you know, it used to be that interracial couples couldn't marry. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. allowed. And now interracial couples can marry. And black people used to not be able to vote. And now they can vote. And it's almost like this. And, and, oh, we did affirmative action, which I don't think was necessarily a great thing. But we've done affirmative action. And, and I'm talking from the white perspective is right. what more do you want from us? You know, what more do you want? We give you all these privileges and now what more do you want? But you hear the divide, right. you know, and you hear that you can hear. And what I'm saying, it's an us versus them. And, and right. last I checked the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, even though a lot of those people were slave owners. I mean, we have to be honest right. about that. <laughs> yeah. But but you look back and you say it's we the people. Mm-hmm. And although at the time, I believe it was out of ignorance and social mm-hmm. norms, you just get, you get wrapped up in the social norms that these underlying philosophies and assumptions just, they, they stream on because we live 95% of our lives in streaming subconscious. We don't even know that those things are there. And then something like this happened. And it right. started for me with the Ahmaud Aubrey thing. I just saw this kid get murdered in cold blood, dude. And right. I'm thinking there's no way if I was running, even right. if I broke into a place, Renny, I'm thinking there is not, not a snowball's chance in hell I'm getting gunned down. No freaking way right. they would shoot right. me. They, they might stop me. They might mm-hmm. threaten me. There is, not, there is not a chance I'm getting right. shot. And then George Floyd situation obviously highlights it even more. You're just you're, you're flabbergasted that this could possibly happen. And then... Right. You know, since then, it's just been all these 
unconscious biases for me come to the table. Um, and the fact is, the freedom that we that we espouse in this country is not the same freedom for everybody. Not yet. Right. And I know what white privilege means now. It isn't an attack. It isn't a stigma. It's, it's about awareness. And it's about us saying, you know what? Let me be honest about what, where I come from and what I think about. I mean, dude, I'm never going to a grocery store. <laughs> I, and I've never in my life, and I even stole when I was a kid. I was, I was a thief as a kid. I was, but I could go in and smile at the lady at the counter and go take gum or go take whatever I wanted and smile yeah. and, oh, nice little boy. I've never walked into a store mm. and had somebody looking at me funny or walk chasing me around and never had a cop pull me over and just pull me out. I've been pulled over quite a bit. I, I go fast sometimes, you know? Yeah. Never had that ha I just don't, you know what I mean? And yeah. so either I can fight what is or we can work with it. And, and I just believe, like I told you, this is a hill worth dying on, man. This is a foxhole worth jumping in and protecting and saying, you know what? It's time for us to bridge this gap. And, and my dream is, you know, as I've been thinking about this, my dream is that we can have ongoing conversations like this. And yeah, if I say something that is racially or even gender, we got gender, you know, biases. And, you know, if I say something that's insensitive, that you don't judge my heart. And yeah. I think that's yeah. what the fear is, is that yeah. for, for white middle-aged males is mm. you're going to judge my heart and all of a sudden I'm typecasted. And, right, and right, man, right. to be labeled a racist or a sexist, dude, that is a major stigma on your reputation. Yeah. But to have, to put myself out there and go, I'm a, I'm, dude, I'm willing to say what needs to be said. And if I say it wrong, Randy, pull me aside, dude. And you mm -hmm. said that. This is how I took it. And I go, oh, my gosh. Again, right. unconscious. Didn't mean it. You know, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that or, or even to address, again, those unconscious biases of, well, we've given so much back to the black communities and, and, and still you're not happy. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Please, you know, whatever you have, you can share about that. Help me. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing when just going back to what you said about saying the wrong things um, and, and being afraid of the backlash and just the labeling, I think that people have to understand there's so much hurt involved with this. Like when, when you do hear from somebody who, who says that, it's, it's coming from a place of hurt a lot of times. And as a African-American uh, male, I can speak firsthand for how a lot of us feel. It feels like <laughs> it feels like you walk around with 400 pounds in your back, like at all times. And I think I told you that, but to know that the possibility exists that you can be jogging and that somebody can think that you just robbed a place instead of just that you're jogging and that they can just hop in their car and, and decide that you're a threat and possibly take your life, to know that that's a possibility, that's that's real it's, it's real mental stress like it's, it's real pressure and to know that you can be driving and, and at any point you can get pulled over and somebody can think you did an odd movement or that you have something it could be a brush it could be whatever and they could just decide that they're just going to shoot you uh without even you know you don't even make it to the courtroom <laughs> to know that's a possibility it's real mental stress so if you say something that comes off the wrong way to somebody and, and they back backlash just understand like that's the weight and pressure of what they're dealing with 
Um, not to say it's, it's right to attack anybody, because I think we all want to be understood and accepted. But um, just, just to give you understanding and insight. And then I think the second thing to follow up with that is people understand, uh, regardless of what you say, people can feel and understand intention, right? So if you're saying something out of love, out of wanting to understand, out of wanting to serve, out of wanting to learn, uh, your intention will come through. You know, regardless of, of how you say it, it may come out the wrong way, but if it's from the heart, even if it's not said the right way, I'm telling you those those people, I'm not saying it's blanket statement for everybody, because some people are just so hurt that they don't want to hear anything. Yeah, I understand. They don't educate anybody, they don't, they don't want to have anything to do with it. But for the, the majority of people, I can say, like, they will take the time to, to listen and really try to educate you on, on how you make them feel. And then I think when people... Uh, do say things like, oh, we got affirmative action. Uh, we, we got a black president. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's this, another one. Yeah. That. I think they're, they're looking at things objectively instead of subjectively. Like they're just picking and choosing a few things to paint the overall picture of somebody's experience, which a lot of times we don't know each other's subjective experience. Right. So you can always point at one, one or two things and say, oh, well, you did this, you did. But does that tell the true experience, uh, true story of my entire subjective experience? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think when people, uh, you know, look at just the, the uh, progress that we made in society. Yes, it's there in terms of the objective, like the positions and, you know, the numbers may have increased or, or whatever. But does that tell the story of bias? Does that tell the story of how many times you've been overlooked or for what for things that you don't even know? Um, it doesn't tell that story at all. Just the everyday yeah. experience. You may get that position, but does that mean you're able to go into that uh, facility, right? Like if I get a position as a CEO of a company or a board member, does that tell the experience of me going in a room and having to walk on eggshells because I have to be perfect in everything I do because I'm the only black one in the room? <laughs> it's like is that real progress you know if i'm if i'm the only one in that position yeah and i have to like literally anything that i say can be taken the wrong way at any time i have to yeah. walk the perfect line i mean is that real progress you know so that's, that's uh there's one thing to be accepted and nothing to be tolerated yeah yeah gosh man yeah, so there's so there's so much to unpack and and again i think it's just this these have to be ongoing conversations you know i am all about like in organizations and corporate organizations like having initiatives for women for women of ethnic background of males of ethnic background mm -hmm. all races i would just love to see again in all corporate organizations especially because that's my focus is yeah. is let's just talk and mm -hmm. and look, we're all here for the same vision. Right. For the same for we're under the same identity. We have the same values. We have the same standards. Let's talk about though honest challenges that we all face mm -hmm. while we're fighting towards solving problems for our clients. Like that's what right. we're there to do in corporate America. So, but let's talk about, you know, what are your challenges, Randy? And let me tell you what my challenges are and and let's Let's truly be a culture that morphs together. And dude, your background, your experiences add so much to the equation, right? right? But it can't be, like you said, like diversity, toleration, 
we got yeah. you in here because you're black. Like, let's yeah. fit you in so we can put you on our brochure and let everybody know we're diverse yeah. so that we can check a buck. Because that happens, man. Yeah. I think it's trash, but it happens. And I think we just have to be humble, which is a huge word when it comes to this, is, yeah. is the humility. And yeah. also, the last thing I'll say about, about this, because I know your time is so valuable. I appreciate you taking it. I want to make sure that we do some promotion for you here, too. Yeah. is when it comes to the idea of slavery being abolished 160 years ago, I'm a culture expert, okay? Right. With culture, philosophies are passed down from mm -hmm. generation to generation, okay? Yeah. Most people have hung out and spent time with their great-grandparents. Mm -hmm. Think about the generation. They passed on philosophies Yep. that were from their parents and their grandparents, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you, if you think about the gap, it's not that far. Right. All so right. this idea that this philosophy of slavery has been abolished, it's not true. Right. Now, as far as our corporeal world, yes, it has been officially abolished, and we are making progress. Mm -hmm. But for us to stop this conversation, assuming just because now you can vote or, you know, there can be interracial couples and, you know, there's, there's opportunity for you to have corporate jobs and to start your own business. The, the mentality exactly. is still prevalent. So we have to keep digging yes. and keep digging to change the subconscious patterns. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I want every, everybody to understand that. Like, yeah. and if we keep sharing in the schools, and this is a call out to the education system too. If mm -hmm. we keep sharing just about, slavery and oh you're here because because you're a slave yeah. that that is you know it's pavlov's theory right. if you call somebody by a bad name they're going to live up to it right and and that's just that's base psychology mm -hmm. so we need to we need to really keep these conversations alive man yeah no you're exactly right and you know just thinking about that that slavery and the mentality i, I think about so many examples of that in different forms like you can look at somebody who's who's raped or somebody who was incarcerated for a long time. Even after they get out of those situations, you can still tell whether it's in their conversation, whether it's how how they face challenges, or, or whether they're able to overcome challenges or not, whether they're able to start relationships, like if they're successful in those things or not. Like it's it's all tied to those to the root causes of those things. So, I mean, we can we can definitely go on and on about uh, that conversation when it comes to slavery and just the repercussion in it. And to yeah. me, it wasn't more so just the slavery piece. These are things, like I said, about how your your culture, your identity is stripped and taken away from you. The family dynamic was ruined. And then even after that, like people act like it just signed that stroke of paper and that was it. Nah, there was the, you know, there was the contract, uh, the contract leasing, you know, the policing system that was put in place where tons of African-Americans were, were uh, arrested for petty crimes, if not nothing at all. And so slavery just turned into a different form of it. And then even my family's country, Liberia, people don't, people don't even understand this. They don't even teach us in the school system, but uh, Liberia, I mean, they might spend like one little like, segment talking about Liberia, but Liberia is so significant a lot of free slaves went to Liberia. And the crazy thing about it is a lot of those free slaves, which some of them were cousins of George Washington, which a lot of people don't know, 
but they took that same system and they applied it to African nations. So the indigenous people who were there already, they put them basically, they became slaves. So they, they only could do what they knew. And so they had the same democracy. They took the same uh, system from America and brought it uh, to Liberia. Liberia spoke to me free. But uh, like I said, those who were descendants of the free slaves, they were the ones who were the politicians. They were the ones who uh, had prominence in society. And those who were indigenous were the cooks, your servants, your drivers. And it still affects our country to this day. Yeah. And it, it's when they, they had a civil war. I was born during the Civil War in 1988. But uh, that was the major reason why that Civil War happened because it was between they call them American Liberians or American Liberians. After all those years of oppression and whatnot, it came to a was shifting the government and it started the whole Civil War. So this is real. Wow. I mean, maybe, maybe you, could, you and I could talk and you know, figure out another uh, angle at this because you know, the more we talk, the more I just want to keep on going with this conversation. But we are, you know, we are yeah. at an hour and um, I yeah. want to promote you know, the things that you do because um, let's, take, let's take our skin color and, and our backgrounds out of it. Uh, Rennie is a fantastic speaker, a coach, a trainer. He has authored a couple books. Um, he offer, authored Free Agent, which is his perspective. You know, when he um, became a free agent in the NFL, you know, he, he took time to reflect of kind of what got him there. And mm-hmm. there's character principles. There's unchanging principles he talks about from a unique perspective. I, I highly recommend everybody get a copy of that book. I've read it. Um, I have uh, bought a box. I've passed it on to many people. Um, and, and I think everyone needs to pick that up. And then you wrote a children's book. Um, help me with the title again. It's how, how to become a what, star, right? What does it take to be a star? Yeah. What does it take oh to be a star? Yeah. So he, he, it's, a, it's a great book too. I have a copy of that. Um, and it, it's just a great perspective of you know, what it takes to be a star, how, how to, you know, whatever you choose to do, you know, how to have a vision. Uh, how to work hard, how to discipline yourself, how to get along with people and become great at your craft and, and doing what you're passionate about doing. So, um, Rennie, how can people get a hold of you and, you know, um, get in touch so that they can hire you to do some work for them? Yeah. So the easiest way is just through my website. That's where you can find out everything about me and all the services that I offer and, and whatnot. Uh, that's just RennieCurran.com. Awesome. Everybody, as soon as you're done, get on RennieKern.com, buy his books and uh, bring him in to speak. He's excellent. You will, I promise you, you will not regret bringing him in to speak at your organization. If you're, you know, at the end of the year, if you're going to have a workshop or if you're doing webinars right now and you want to bring him on, um, do that because his influence, his energy, his passion and his wisdom and knowledge in your organization is going to help the culture and it's going to help take people further faster. So please get on RennieKern.com. And Rennie, again, thanks for this open dialogue. Thanks for hearing me out. I thank you for your forgiveness, you know, and um, also helping to educate me and and others who have listened to this. I hope everyone's gotten a lot out of this, and I I would like to do it again because I think we just need to keep this conversation alive. 
Definitely. It's, it's super important. I really appreciate you, man. Wish you continued success and all that you're doing, man. You're an amazing speaker and author as well. I've learned so much from just being around you and seeing how you do things and how you operate, man. So, yeah, wish you continued success and blessings for you and your family. All right, my friend. Thanks, Randy. Have a good one, my friend. Everybody, till next time, we hope you tune in again on the HPK High Performance Podcast. And, and again, subscribe, like, and, and comment on our YouTube channel here. All right, y'all. See you later. Be sure to take immediate action on the ideas that compelled you from today's podcast. For information about the courses, resources, and services available from HBK High Performance, visit hbkln.com.